under not just my mess, I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, a person who's had a bath needs only to wash his feet and his whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you. Please be seated. Thanks, Mark. We're going to continue with our worshiping of our Lord Jesus this morning. We're going to go into a time of prayer together. And there's a lot of things to be praying for. There's a lot of things to be thankful for. There's a lot of things to be excited for. But not everybody is on the same part of the journey. Isn't that right? Some of us came in here this morning maybe not so excited and happy. Some of us are carrying things that... Maybe we wish we didn't have to carry. Some of us uh, really need to allow the Holy Spirit of God uh, to have control and lead our lives, especially in circumstances that we have no control over. So um, what we'll do here is I'll invite anybody who is comfortable, who has something that they would like to pray for, and we can pray together here. Um, Anything you're thankful for or anything that God lays on your heart, we're going to pray together here because one of the most important things we can do as a church family, as a church body, is to lift one another up in prayer. And uh, I'll close us off in a few minutes. Anybody who feels comfortable, let's just pray and continue worshiping Jesus.
Our gracious Father, we come to you this beautiful morning in the name of our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. God, it's, it's an amazing thing when we are aware of the power of the living God's Spirit within us to know that there are things beyond us, beyond our human capacities to deal with, and yet when we realize that the God of the universe has filled us with his spirit, there's a certain amount of, of hope that comes from that, that you are in control and you are a good and loving God who has a plan that sometimes we can't see, but that we can trust in. And God, throughout this journey called life, there are a lot of ups and downs. And, and I know that as a church family that we've got to experience a lot, of, a lot of Kodak moments. And there's opportunities like yesterday or fundraising Friday night to, to gather as a family and to participate in something, to have fun and belong. And at the same time, Lord, raising funds for, uh, for the El Salvador team to, to go into a developing country and do something that we take for granted like produce uh, water filters so that people can have clean water and to know that there are amazing blessings in our lives God that we can turn that around and be a blessing to those who are less fortunate God I thank you for the Thornhill Baptist Church family God for the for the light that this churches in this community but also lord for the families here that that go to different neighborhoods god you have called us to be a beacon of hope to those around us and sometimes it's it's easier for us to be able to donate money and to to write a check to some places but god sometimes you call us to give up our time and to get involved and to participate in different ways and sometimes that's a conversation with a neighbor that that we're we're not looking forward to that needs to happen. Sometimes it's extending an invitation uh, to a friend or a co-worker to participate in something uh, at church. But God, I know that your spirit is at work and that is exciting. And I, I pray for those of us here, Lord, that, that do have friends and family, co-workers, classmates, people in our life who have yet to know the hope that comes with knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and King. And that's who we proclaim here at this church. That's who we're worshiping. And that's whose message we're going to receive this morning. God, I pray for your word as we've read it. And now as Pastor Gary is going to unpack that for us, God, I pray that your spirit would challenge us and encourage us, maybe remind us of some things that we already know that we need to know again, but God, above all, that you are glorified through this church and our lives. God, now as we go into a time of listening to the message, open our hearts, open our minds that we would receive what you have for us this morning. And above all, Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you because you first loved us and you did give an example for us what that love looks like with the washing of the disciples' feet. You came to serve us. We love you. Jesus, in your mighty name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thanks. Now, before I begin, I want all of you to start taking your shoes and socks off now. That would be something. I want to start this morning where I start some mornings, 
when I first came here, but I want to do it again. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Do you believe that? How many have their Bibles this morning? We're getting better. We're getting better. I'm convinced more and more that this Word of God needs to not only be in our heart, but we need to carry it with us. Because there are times in our week when God might choose to use His Word, and you just don't happen to have it with you when you need to have it with you. You say, but oh, Pastor, I, I would not know where to look. I tell you this morning, that's not your problem, because Jesus, by His Spirit, will get you there, if you're just willing to be there. Interesting passage of Scripture for us this morning. We're in the third part of what I call the Twelve Commandments of the New Testament. Now, I may be the only theologian in the whole world that does that, but that's okay, I'm prepared to defend myself. Because I feel that these 12 issues we're dealing with over these next weeks are so important to us as a church in here, to us as a fellowship together. We can't go out there and represent Jesus correctly till we represent him here correctly with one another. And then we're empowered by that collective unity, that collective heart we now are empowered to be a light in our world because we're energized. The ever-ready battery of the Holy Spirit when we're unified begins to work in a way that you probably will never believe at this moment. So we're on the third part. This morning we're talking about honoring one another. There was a very talented pianist named Brett Talent, and he tells this story. Actually, you can find his CDs on the internet. When he was a young man, a very well-known soloist came to his church, and he had the privilege of serving as her accompanist. He was excited. Seeing this as an opportunity to demonstrate his skills at the keyboard, during the first rehearsal, he proceeded to run his fingers up and down the keyboard in, libera in Liberace style. Anybody remember Liberace? He was a great pianist. Well, she sang the first stanza of her song. Following the initial verse, she stopped, looked at Brent, and said with a smile, You know, Brent, I really make a wonderful accompanist for you. Brent finally got it. The light went on. He saw what he had done. He was to be the accompanist. He was to support the soloist. Never overshadowing or calling attention to his own skills. In short, he was to do everything he could to make her look good and sound good. That's a very powerful metaphor of what it really means to honor others above yourself. Every Christian is to be an accompanist to every other Christian. We're to make one another look good 
and sound good. Christ gives us the supreme example. Jesus Christ, as he walked on earth, set the supreme example in honoring others above himself. Remember a short time before his death, he got the disciples together. We read about it in the Bible. I demonstrated it with the children. Knowing full well that his things, his time was coming to an end, God had given him all the power, and he had come to the place where he knew he'd be returning to God. And so he filled a basin. He wanted to set an example. Before he went to the cross, he wanted to set an example for his disciples. We know the story. We read it this morning. He washed their feet. Their feet were already clean, so to speak, so he wasn't washing their feet for the purpose of cleaning them. He had chosen to give them an example. Here is God, Almighty, come in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Jesus was with God. He is God. And here is God himself, kneeling down on his knees before 12 human beings and others that were there at the Passover and washing their feet. You notice the children's reaction about having their feet washed. I wonder what your reaction would be. My wife would say, well, wait a minute, I need to get my nails painted. Let's not do that service before I get my nails painted. I don't think that that's what Jesus meant when he said, I give you this example that we have foot washing services. However, I have had the privilege of pastoring in two Mennonite communities, and they still practice this every bit as much as they do the Lord's table. They actually have foot washing Sundays. The women will sit on one side, the men will sit on the other, but Mennonites do that all the time. But on this particular, they do sit on each side, they read the passage of Scripture, and then the women wash their neighbor's feet, and vice versa, and equal for the men. Now, which would you think is more humbling? If this is a reciprocal question, you can respond. Which you think would be more humbling? To have them washed. Really, that's what happens. It's a humbling experience for both parties. The person who is washing the feet is humbling himself or herself to serve a brother in Christ. The one receiving the washing is being humbled by the very thought of that. Jesus said, Do you understand, he asked, what I have done for you? Then he went on to answer his own question. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. So Jesus clearly meant, 
And this isn't red words in your Bible. He was clearly meant that what happened and what he did was an example for the disciples there, and it was an example for all eternity. It was not just for the the Passover meal that he was at. He was giving this example that was recorded by the Holy Spirit in his holy word. Have you got your shoes and socks off yet? No. And I don't suggest that that's what I think that necessarily example that Jesus is talking about. But he is talking about our subject this morning, honoring one another above ourselves. We must never forget. We must never forget the message and principle Jesus was teaching. Though cultures have changed, though modes of transportation have evolved, and though most of us are usually... most, excuse me, most of us usually walk on sidewalks with shoes on our feet rather than sandals on dirty, dusty roads. There is one thing that has changed, however, has never changed. Paul confirmed this when he said that we as Christians are to honor one another above ourselves. This is what Jesus was illustrating in the foot washing. He was illustrating that as believers, as my disciples, you will honor one another above yourself. It's interesting in our story, as we read it, Jesus said about the Pharisees. He talked about them wanting to puff themselves up. They wanted to be in a special place in the marketplace. They wanted special seats in the synagogue. They wore prayer boxes on their shoulders to show how faithful they were in prayer. And Jesus said, don't be like them. They just want to lift themselves up. They want to be above others. They want to be higher than others. And he says, don't be like that. He went on to say that that they they wanted to be called rabbi which means teacher. And Jesus was the supreme rabbi. He was the supreme teacher. But it's interesting what he said. Don't you be called rabbi. Now I'm going to bear a little of my personal, not theology because that's not what it is. I chose many, many years ago when I was in seminary and I studied this passage of Scripture. And when I got out of Bible college and seminary, not full seminary classes, I just took what I wanted to take. And I became a pastor in the Evangelical Free Church in Herbert, Saskatchewan. And I had my commissioning. And about six months after my commissioning, my district superintendent called me and said, Gary, we think, uh, we think you'd, we, I think it's about time now that you progressed progress through ordination. I said, no, I don't think I want to do that. I do not want to be called reverend. Because I believe there's only one reverend. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, I prefer to take a Bible name for myself. It's called one of the gifts. I'm happy to be called pastor. Pastor. Now, don't get me wrong. 
Please, don't get me wrong. I have a lot of dear friends who I call reverend. They've earned it. They've studied. And I have many who are called doctor. They've earned it. They've studied. But it was just a personal thing for me because I knew where I was going and I knew that I'd be an evangelist and I knew that I'd spend a lot of my time with unchurched. And I did not want them to think of me more highly than they ought to, that I was just one of them. And so, I don't know if Pastor Ken's a reverend or not, but if he chooses to be a reverend, that's okay. Because I'll be glad. I don't know what I did here, but I'd be glad. I am glad that I get to honor him. It is a special ministry that God has given me, and it's been a joy to build a relationship with him. And I keep reminding him, and I remind you, he's the parent, I'm the babysitter. And I'm just babysitting. And I'm waiting for the movie to get over so Dad can come home. But Jesus set the example. We must never forget that we are to honor ourselves one above the other. Jesus then also did on another occasion, Jesus identified what honor really means. He spelled out the truth in this, in, in this very clearly. He took the religious leaders to task for their pride and arrogance. They do everything he said for men to see. They love the place of honor, banquets, and all of those special places. Jesus turned to his disciples and drove home the lesson. They had to learn if they were to be mature in God and be used for his service. The greatest among you will be your servant, for whoever exalts himself shall be exalted. Whoever exalts others, that should be, who humbles himself. There we go, I got it right. And I don't even have Ken's excuse. Mine's all together up here. That's what I think. It's in my Bible. But Jesus said to his disciples, humble yourself, and when you do, you will be exalted. Paul gave the dynamic application of that. Paul gave the dynamic application of that. When he said this in Philippians 2.8, speaking of Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even a death on the cross." I'm not sure that we fully understand and comprehend what that really is. Jesus was sitting in heaven with his Father and with the Holy Spirit when the earth was still kind of null and void and there was a kind of shadow just around the universe. Jesus was there. Jesus participated according John chapter 1, verse 1. He participated with the Father in that, in creation. 
And he chose to follow his father's will. I'm sure the father said to him, I don't know, it doesn't really make it clear to me, um, Jesus, son, there are three in one, I'm going to put you on a task. I'm going to give you a special task. You're going to leave this place, and you're going to be born in the flesh on earth. You're going to become human. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of rattles around with me a bit. I can't quite comprehend that. But in essence, that's exactly what happened. Jesus came out of heaven. You know that there's been two people that left heaven. One is Jesus, and one is Satan. Jesus remained in heaven as God come in the flesh because he humbled himself to follow the will of the Lord, to follow the will of his Father. Satan was cast out of heaven because he would not humble himself and because he took on pride and built himself and wanted to become way more than he was. Jesus gave us the example. Whoever exalts himself or whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The result of Christ's act of love and submission brought to himself in the, the essence of exactly what, he, what the Bible says. He was exalted above all names, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Our personal exaltation, our personal exaltation may not, may, will not happen like, like Jesus. It'll be different than Christ. Nevertheless, God will exalt Christians who truly honor others above themselves. It may not be immediate, but it will happen. If not on earth, then through all eternity, we will be exalted. Jesus taught himself, many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. It's talking about honoring one another. I often try to imagine what heaven is like. You know, I, my mind kind of goes wild when I try to imagine it. Streets of gold, fruit trees along the streets, city on a hill. Read the Bible talking about that we will receive crowns and jewels for our faithfulness. And I paused on that this week, and I thought about it. And my wife has been ill this week, so she's been kind of out of the picture. I've been, you know, got this coughing cold, whatever thing that's going around. And so I was feeling badly for her. So I sat there and looked at her one day, and she wasn't looking like as beautiful as she normally does. She was looking like she was not well. And I thought and I looked at her and I saw a crown on her head. And that crown is going to be filled with so many jewels. Far more than mine will ever be. 
because he's truly a humble person. And I walked away with that, and I said, Jesus, make me like her. Make me like her. Evangelists have a hard time with humility. We're always up front. We're always preaching. We're always telling the good news. But if we're not careful, we could think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And this lesson is teaching me that this that week, this week. Practical steps. Honoring one another. Let me say before I go on, I've said to you, I showed you a book of Dr. Gene Getz and his, his, uh, his writings on building up one another. So for fear that I forget to mention him enough times, a lot of my material and thoughts are generated by his book. And these three practical steps walk out of the pages of his book. First step, to honor one another above ourselves. Take a careful look at your honoring others quotient. Take a careful look at your honoring others quotient. What do I mean by that? Well, maybe I just need to ask you some questions. How many situations can you recall where you purposefully attempted to honor someone above yourself? When you made it intent to honor someone above yourself? Was it yesterday? Maybe last week. Well, maybe last month. Well, maybe last year. Do you think you've used your quotient up? God has filled your heart, as we did at our ministry council the other night. He's filled your heart with three things. Love, faith, and hope. He's filled your bank account full of those things. You can't overdraw them. And you cannot overdraw honoring one another. Your bank account won't go dry if you do it. You have a quotient that will never stop. And honoring one another is the example that our Lord Jesus Christ gave us to do. He says, if I am your Lord and teacher, and right you are, then do this as I do. Honor one another. Lift one another up. In what ways have you reflected sincere appreciation for another person? I mean, when have you gone out of your way to do that? And I don't speak about the world out there. I speak about here. Do we see each other above ourselves? Do we honor each other above ourselves? Second step. Don't forget to honor those who have helped you become what you are. Don't forget to honor those who have helped you become what you are. I went on pilgrimage this week. I've had a lot of people that have helped me be what I am today. And I've just spoke about probably the most important one. But there's been many others. But there's one family when I was a young Christian who came alongside of me and honored me in such a way that I wanted to become a pastor 
or an evangelist because of them. I wanted to be an evangelist and a pastor because of them. And so I read this out of Getz's book this week. I've got to find that couple. I haven't talked to him in 25 years. But I've got to find Alan Madeline. God's Spirit was convicting me. So I went on a rabbit hunt. They lived in Saskatchewan when I was in Regina while I was going to school. And I had, they were farming just outside of Saskatchewan in Grand Coulee. And I used to go and visit their farm, and my wife and I spent many, many days and weekends there with them. So I thought, ah, they must still be there. So I went on the telephone book, and Al Wigmore, Grand Coulee, nobody. Wow. Al Wigmore, Regina. Al Wigmore, Saskatchewan. Couldn't find him. He had Wigmore Farms, and so I went on the Internet. And I found Wigmore Farms. So I said, good. I phoned Wigmore Farms. And when I was on the internet, I noticed that Wigmore Farms had, had sub, about nine subsidiaries to it. I thought, whoa, this guy's really doing well. Got a mission trip coming up. I should talk to him. So I phoned the first one, and no, we, 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 no, we don't know any Al Wigmore. So I went through all of them. No luck. The very last one that didn't have a Wigmore in it by name was just some grain cleaning thing. So I said, well, I called them, and she answered the phone. It wasn't Wigmore Farms. I said, I'm looking for a dear old friend of mine by the name of Al Wigmore. You wouldn't by any chance know how I can get a hold of him. She said, yeah, I think I have his phone number here in my car deck somewhere. So I said, could you please look? Sure enough, she gave me the phone number back. And I got to phone Alan Madeline Wigmore. And we talked and reminisced about the good times we had together. But I stopped and I said, you know, Al, Alice and I would love to come and visit you in the next little while. But today I'm here with a purpose. I said, I phoned you, and I said, is Madeline on the phone? Or do you have speakerphone? She said, yes, she's right beside me, and we can put it on speakerphone. So I said, Alan, Madeline, I want you to know with all my heart that I am who I am today in the pastorate and in the ministry because of you. Because of you. And they wanted to kind of say, no, 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 no. I said, Al, you can't take that out of my head. It is because of you. And then he said, that's very special to me today, Gary, to us. Because Madeline has just come out of intensive care for six weeks. And she has congestive heart failure. And we, don't, we live now day by day. And Madeline was in tears when you said that. She said to Al, my life finally has value. Honoring one another is so vitally important to the body of Christ. Lifting one another up. And thirdly, I want to talk, if it is difficult for you to 
to, to give compliments, and some people are like that. It's just difficult for them. If it is difficult for you to compliment others and enjoy their successes, take a close look at your own personality. Don't look at them, but look at your own personality. Some people cannot compliment others and enjoy their successes because they have always been the center of attention themselves. If this turns us into a competitor instead of a complementarian, and that represents a serious problem. The Bible says we ought not to think more highly of ourselves, but we need to think of ourselves in a humble way. I call these kinds of people backslappers. And I need to be very careful <laughs> when I say that, because I think I can be perceived as a backslapper. Because I, I just always appreciate people. And I want to let them know I appreciate them. And I'm an extrovert. I'm not an introvert. I, I, I love to be out with people. And I love to be shaking hands with them and hugging them and slapping them on the back. But I don't think I'm a backslapper. I don't expect anything back from them. I just want to slap their back. But sometimes we compliment others and we honor others to get something back. And if that's the case, you're not honoring one another. You're not honoring one another. Second kind is those who have grown up and they've always been talked down to. Talked down to. And because of that personality trait, they walk into a room and want to be noticed. And they think of many ways to do that. Some of them can be very loud in voice. Uh, they can walk into a, a room to, to try to draw attention to themselves. And I don't... I understand why. Because they've been spoken down to. But I conclude in step three with... If we are going to become what God wants us to become, if we are going to be in this body what God wants us to be, we have to reprogram our minds and have the same mind as Christ. And that mind is filled with the knowledge, honor one another above yourselves. And many of us may have to reprogram ourselves to think about that. Philippians. I forget what verse it is. Oh, well. Oh, here we are. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. If you have trouble honoring one another, or you find yourself wanting to perhaps get some attention, Verse 3 and 4 of Philippians, I encourage you to memorize it. Because this is the Bible's definition of humility. Do nothing from self selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another more important than yourselves. Do not merely look at your own personal interests, 
but also for the interest of others. That's honoring one another. I encourage you to memorize that verse. And when you look at somebody and you feel yourself wanting to, I don't know, maybe rip a little strip off them, let your mind come to that verse. Let your mind fall on that verse. And in doing so, we will honor one another. Jesus says, if you know these things, you are blessed or exalted if you do them. If you know this, and you meditate on this, and you do this, what's the word? You will be blessed. You will be blessed. And honoring one another above yourselves, Romans chapter 10, verse 5, comes right out of this book. And if we want to be a blessing to the community outside of us, let's honor one another, let's be devoted to one another, let's be members of one another, and when they walk through the doors, they'll want a big piece of that. Because they don't get that out there. But if they see it in action here, we won't have to worry about evangelism. Pastor Gary, the evangelist, will disappear in the night. Father in heaven, this is your word. And if there's anything that from my notes or my thoughts have been distractive from the essence and the truth of your word, I pray that you would erase them from people's minds and thoughts. But Father, I pray that we would become a church in our midst and we would honor one another above ourselves. Holy Spirit, you indwell us. And we lay our hearts before you now. And we say, Holy Spirit, empower us to honor one another. Because we give you honor and we give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. I think, where's my, there he is.